The reading this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel and chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that you will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told of them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, can I extend my welcome as well as uh, James's welcome from earlier on. It's great to be able to welcome you on this Christmas morning, uh, to say Happy Christmas to you, and uh, to be part of all of these celebrations that we've had over the last few uh, weeks and days as we've looked forward to the coming of the Prince of Peace. And now we're here, and we get to celebrate that. Good news of great joy for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. What is? Well, today, in the city of David, a saviour has been born who is Christ the Lord. And the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, 
and peace to his people on earth. That's the promise of this baby that was born in the manger. That's the promise of Isaiah's prophecy some 700 years before that this baby would be called the Prince of Peace. And perhaps today we hold on to that hope that peace might indeed come. We hold on to the hope that surely everything is going to be okay in the end. And don't we need that at this time? I mean, if there is a sure way to increase my stress and anxiety, then I just need to, to turn on to question time or hear some of the debates on Brexit. What on earth can this baby say to the question of the backstop, a hard Brexit, a deal or a no deal, or a people's vote? How does he bring peace? In what way does this Prince of Peace have any relevance to the big questions of our day? Well, this year we celebrated, or we remembered, we didn't celebrate, we remembered 100 years since the armistice. And H.G. Wells called the Great War the war to end all wars. And yet it wasn't, was it? And we look around our world and we see wars and when we look at our own lives, we know that the absence of conflict doesn't necessarily mean peace. Think about your co-workers in your office, your neighbours in the street, or even perhaps the family you gather with over this Christmas season. The office atmosphere can be poisonous, can't it? Neighbours can avoid each other. And families, well, sometimes they can manage to sit on their issues for a day or so. Where is the Prince of Peace? You know, that question is a long debated question. It's one that many people have thought about and considered over the years. Back in 1863, a man called Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote the following lines. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet their words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Only when he wrote it, there wasn't peace. Because he wrote it in the depths of the American Civil War. And so he continued to write, and his next verse went like this. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Can't you identify with that? Hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. If hate is strong, then so is anxiety and fear and stress. They mock the song of peace on earth in my life, and my guess is that they mock the song of peace in your life too. We hear that mockery when our health 
or our loved one's health takes a turn, when we're anxious about making ends meet financially, when we're worried about job security. But what we heard from our gospel this morning is that 2,000 years ago, on the hillside above Bethlehem, the ragtag group of shepherds, well, they had their own anxieties. They were outcasts of society, concerned for the protection of their sheep from wolves or from rustlers. And Joseph and Mary, well, they lacked peace too. Anxious with the 70-mile journey to Bethlehem, in the difficulty of finding somewhere to stay, anxious over the labor and the birth, perhaps with added concern because of the trust God had placed in them with this special child. I wonder if they found peace in the Christ child. A peace that doesn't take away anxiety or fear. But a peace that in the very midst of it all recognized that God was present. And somehow mysteriously in control. A peace that comes from seeing that they were not the center of the universe, nor did they carry the weight of their anxiety on their own. For this baby was Emmanuel, God with us. In the midst of busyness and anxieties and fears, they found joy and peace because a saviour had been born. It's this peace of heart and mind that God offers us through his son, through this same baby. A peace that comes through trusting his love, his faithfulness, mercy and grace. That speaks a louder, more gracious and loving story than the mockery of the world. A peace that comes when we invite Christ to be at the center of our lives. But this message of peace is more than simply personal peace. It's also peace for our communities and for our nations. You see, there will always be forces at work seeking to break the peace of our communities. But in the Bethlehem story, the shepherds announced that with Jesus' birth, a new community was being built together in peace, centered on the newborn saviour. Isaiah describes that saviour as the prince of peace. That's not just a snappy title for a Christmas card. It's an overtly political statement about judgment, nations and the end of warfare. To the people of Israel, Isaiah was pointing to the destruction of their oppressors. To God's judgment on those who would brutalise the poor or who used their power wrongly. As one poet says, reflecting on those in power who use it abusively. But every Herod dies and comes alone to stand before the Lamb upon the throne. God's judgment comes as good news because it promises justice. It declares, for to us a child is born, a son is given. It's about peace because God radically reimagines the use of power through love. The angels sing that true peace comes not from a human emperor, 
but from God revealed in a baby born under occupation. Peace in the nations is not to be found in the constant assertion of power and might, but in the fragility of a baby in humility and service. So I need to ask you, will you put your trust in that bigger story, this more noble story of power and peace this Christmas? Will you put your anxieties and cares into the word made flesh, into the hands of the one who said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Longfellow, that uh, poet of whom I've spoken, finishes his poem with a final flourish. He says this, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. The reality of the baby in the manger, the Prince of Peace, is that God has come to be with us, a light in the darkness. God is not dead. Nor does he sleep. In this baby we recall that death cannot hold him. That as he, as he lived and died and rose again, he offers peace forever. Peace between humanity and God and peace between humanity. That is good news for me and for you this Christmas. It's good news in the uncertainty of politics, in the anxiety of our messy lives, and in the ups and downs of national turmoil. This baby offers hope and love and peace. That is good news of great joy for all people. Amen.